Never drink with colleagues. Never drink with colleagues. Just don't even socialize with colleagues. Don't even know your colleagues' names. It's Friday, the 1st of December, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrich, Dutch News Contributing Editor and The Hague's Florence Nightingale, and joining me today are my fellow Dutch News Contributing Editor and prolific novelist Molly Quell, and Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and Hashtag Suspect. Molly, you completed your novel, or at least you completed the 15,000 words. I completed my NaNoWriMo, my 50,000 words. Which you now have to edit. Which I now have to edit, which is the worst. That's the fun part. That's terrible. Mm. So, Paul, why are you going to jail this week? Uh, yeah, I was watching um, a show on television, The Rijden de Rechte. The Travelling Judge. The Travelling Judge, it. yeah. The, uh, some neighbours were in a fight because of some surveillance cameras or something. And uh, these people were, how to say that? Well tanned, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one was <laughs> Completely really... Completely <laughs> batshit insane. <laughs> yeah. I've now watched about half of this episode because you sent it to me. And they're totally insane. Yeah. So obviously there were a lot of jokes about them on Twitter. And one of the ladies involved, uh, she uh, went to the police and filed a report saying that she was discriminated on the internet. So I'm probably going to jail. So Gordon, you've got uh, some sick kids this week, right? Uh, Yeah, they've um, they've been kind enough to kind of take it in turns. That's good. (laughs) On Wednesday, my youngest son was uh, was sick. He really was sick. He was, well, I say he really was. They both really are sick. Yeah, he he had a kind of um, gastric bug, I think, so that wasn't nice. Uh, My my oldest boy's off today because he's, um, yeah, well, he's he's, he's got an earache. I think he's heavier winter cold, so he's got a day. Yeah, he's he's not at school today. It's a good thing you didn't bring him in his... uh, podcast studio indeed uh, and, and, and spread all his germs yeah. in this confined space i love spreading germs in a confined space in this week's real news the yugoslavia tribunal in the hague ends in chaos and recriminations a five-year-old boy is abandoned in amsterdam and the government calls for better protection for gay and christian asylum seekers and in fake news we find out how monica dumb got caught up in a trump twitter storm The very last hearing of the Yugoslavia War Crimes Tribunal in The Hague ended bizarrely this week when the ex-commander of the Bosnian Croat forces and convicted war criminal Slobodan Priljak drank from a glass vial, announced it was poison, and died 20 hours later in the hospital. Priljak was convicted of crimes against humanity for his role in the Yugoslav Wars. Uh, he was attending his final appeal of his 20-year sentence, which was upheld. It's unclear how he obtained the vial of poison, but the Dutch Forensic Services confirmed that the substance in the vial was toxic. Yeah, apparently uh, all these people that are uh, on trial they uh, the, the, these men are usually very old so mm. they use a lot of medicines so that is why it is very common for them to take their medicines with yeah. them into the courtroom and apparently he was able to smuggle this poison in yeah there's a lot of security obviously but it's easier to detect things like knives than yeah um, than liquids especially as you yeah. say when there's lots of elderly people taking medicine and it wasn't it was quite a small uh, quantity wasn't it? it's quite concentrated so remind us what he was convicted of he was convicted of having commanded troops to commit atrocities against muslims in around 30 municipalities in bosnia and herzegovina those atrocities included murder torture extensive appropriation of property not justified by military necessity and plunder of public or private property through the third category of joint criminal enterprise liability. So, so it's generally thoroughly pretty pretty terrible man, yeah, you say. So he wasn't just a just a just a murderer, he also stole a bunch of stuff and yeah. and used it for his own uh, yeah. financial gain. Although part of his, his appeal was um, upheld, wasn't it, because they decided the bridge that he targeted was a legitimate military target. Yes. So but nevertheless his but his sentence wasn't reduced. 
and no. this is like the last uh, appeal. And I think the Croatian government had weighed into this, and they'd um, they weren't happy with the fact that he'd been convicted. They still see him as a as a war hero, and that they kind of been ordered to uh, send him and his five fellow co-defendants to the Hague under duress. Yeah, they so. were. Um, you know, well, that's like with oftentimes with these situations, you know, your uh, your hometown hero is mm. someone else's uh, war criminal. Yes, yeah. that's how war works, basically. Yeah. So you can attack a bridge, but you can't genocide people. Right. Yes, that's, basically. It's, it's, that's anything you learn from this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Genocide is bad. And yeah. also, you cannot plunder of public or private property <laughs> through the, the third, third category. category of joint criminal enterprise liability. Yeah. yeah. Any famous last words? He said he was not a criminal. On Wednesday, a woman was arrested after a young boy was found wandering around Amsterdam's central station on his own. Police circulated video images of the woman who was seen with the boy on a station platform shortly before he was abandoned. It's not clear what her relationship is with the child, who's believed to be about five years old. He's been taken into foster care, but despite interpreters trying in several languages, police have been unable to get him to say a word, but they say his health is otherwise fine. So do we know where he's from, then? No, so far they haven't been able to establish really where he's from, what his name is, um, anything like that, uh, because he's simply hasn't they haven't, haven't been able to get him to speak uh, the woman they know the woman had a trolley bag with her so there's some speculation they may have come from uh, from another country but um, one curious thing is that nobody reported the child as missing uh, up until the moment when the woman was arrested in the street and they found her and they're interviewing her so they will presumably find out from her uh, a bit more how common is it for children to be abandoned in the streets in the Netherlands apparently it's very rare uh, the council of child protection and they say uh, they find one or two babies under the age of two every year but older children almost never get simply abandoned. The last time was an Italian boy who was found in Amsterdam's Burger King in 2002. MPs from the four coalition parties submitted a motion in the Tweede Kamer on Wednesday calling for the immigration service to improve its screening of gay and Christian convert asylum seekers. Dozens of asylum seekers are sent back to their country of origin every year because the immigration service does not believe they are homosexual or Christian. According to D66 MP Maarten Groothuizen, quote, we don't want to send people back to countries where they are not safe, but on the other hand, we don't want to give permits to people who are abusing this issue. That's why the screening must be improved. One of the ideas to make the screening procedures better is to have the immigration service work together with gay rights advocacy organization COC. So how exactly does the immigration service determine if someone is gay or, I guess, Christian? Yeah, this is uh, something where, the, where a lot of criticism is uh, uh, is coming from because according to Grothuizen, the immigration service is currently yeah, too focused on how asylum seekers become aware of, of his or her sexuality. So the service might ask, uh, for example, um, on which date someone became homosexual, which is a really weird question. Yeah, well, what date did you become straight? And at the same time, for example, the immigration service doesn't consider the fact that someone was in a long relationship with a person of their own gender to be proof of his or her sexual or- orientation. So How does that make any sense? Yeah, I, I don't know. So uh, uh, they just don't know how to deal with these kind of situations. So that's why the MPs uh, uh, want the immigration service to work together with, for example, the COC to, to yeah, improve their assessment because this is... A wi- this is a ridiculous situation. Yeah, well, I hope that they, uh, they improve this situation because it's really dangerous i think for a lot of these people to have to be forced to go back to their home countries after declaring that they've converted to christianity or are gay back to places that you know put people in jail or behead them for converting to christianity or being gay yeah but they they just want to avoid that people are uh, abusing this yeah the system um, but uh, on the other hand there is no uh, there are no numbers uh, on uh, how many people are abusing this so right. it's it's not clear if this is an actual issue or not 
Airline pilot Julio Poch ended an eight-year spell in an Argentinian jail this week when he was acquitted of throwing people out of planes during the Junta regime in the 1970s. Poch's incarceration began when he was arrested in Spain as he touched down on his last day of service for Transavia uh, eight years ago. Poch, originally from Argentina, had taken Dutch nationality and couldn't be extradited from the Netherlands, but Spain did have an extradition treaty. He was investigated after he told colleagues during a dinner in Bali in 2003 that, quote, we threw them out of the planes during an argument about the he was one of 54 people put on trial for crimes against humanity during the years of military rule, but the court decided there was not enough evidence against him, and his lawyer now says he plans to sue the Dutch government. Gordon, can you, um, can you for our listeners, tell them exactly how this guy got arrested? Because it is the most absurd story. It is. Well, the, the evidence against him was pretty much that he he was talking to colleagues uh, over dinner um, in Indonesia, and uh, yeah, they, they were arguing about um, uh, the junta, and he... And Potch was was, you know, he, he remained a secret of the fact that he was sympathetic to the um, uh, to the regime, or, or he was he was on the political right. But he he he, say, he came out with this comment: "We threw them out of the planes," and and that was pretty much the entirety of the evidence against him. So on the basis of that, um, he was investigated. Um, I think a, a Span- no, an Argentinian prosecutor went to interview him in Hofdorp while he was flying for Transavia, um, and then uh, literally on his last day uh, of service, um, when he was uh, 57 years old and due to retire, he flew into Spain. His wife and kids were on the plane with him. It was supposed to be a great big ceremonial send-off. And when he landed on the tarmac, he was arrested and taken away and extradited. In Spain, because Spain has an extradition... Yeah, because Spain uh, had an extradition treaty with with Argentina and the Netherlands didn't. So how is the Dutch government (laughs) implicated in all of this? Well, of course, because Transavia at the time was was owned by the government. It was a sister airline of uh, KLM. And um, Poch just happened to fly his last flight into a country where he could be extradited to Argentina. So the strong suspicion is that they kind of fixed the schedules and then tipped off the Spanish authorities so that he'd be arrested on the tarmac. Um, and uh, I think the Dutch government at the time possibly thought, because they were doing a good thing in terms of human rights, because you know, there's this whole group of 50-odd people being put on trial for crimes against humanity. In the call out of day, of course, when it turns out that there's almost no evidence against him, it doesn't look quite as clever. A video retweeted by U.S. President Donald Trump, which is said to show a Muslim beating up a Dutch boy on crutches, is fake news. Trump retweeted three postings by British far-right activist Jada Franson, including one said to show, quote, Muslim migrant beats up Dutch boy on crutches. But while the video does show a violent attack against a boy on crutches, the perpetrator isn't a migrant or Muslim. A video of the attack, which took place in Monaco Dam in 2017, was posted to the video portal Dumpart without any reference to the attacker's identity. But as it was shared, commenters added commentary to the boy's identity. The Public Prosecution Service has confirmed that the boy was arrested and sentenced under a juvenile sentencing program and was born and raised in the Netherlands. Yeah, it was part of a a bit of an op-hef this week because Trump retweeted several of these uh, sort of far right-wing activists and several showing several videos supposedly of, you know, kind of Muslims doing terrible things. Um, A couple of them were from, from... yeah, ISIS situations. There was one where they were throwing someone off a roof. The, the videos are all very, very terrible. And, and in fact, this one about beating up the boy on crutches is, is very difficult to watch and is not, you know, there is a boy who is on crutches who is attacked. It's, it's very upsetting. As it turns out, this was not, this, this boy is not Muslim and is not a migrant and is not a refugee and is not an asylum seeker. He is just, as people keep saying, an ordinary Dutchman, which 
I find kind of troublesome because, because he's not ordinary. Because, well, yeah, because he's not ordinary because most Dutch people uh, don't go around attacking people on crutches. <laughs> no. And also like Muslims and, and immigrants can also be, quote, ordinary Dutch people. But yeah. regardless, uh, yeah, I mean, the public prostitution service has come out against it. The the ambassador yeah, to yeah, the U.S. Yeah, even the ambassador tweeted a, a statement. Yeah, they, they replied to, uh, to Trump's tweet calling it fake news. It's pretty much been thoroughly debunked. The Vandalen Dictionary opened the ballot boxes for the annual Word of the Year election. The past week, everyone could submit suggestions for the word that best describes the year 2017, and the dictionary published their list of 10 nominees on Wednesday. Words of the years are usually related to current affairs, such as gedogegering. In 2010, do you know what that means, Mom? No, what is gedogegering? It's uh, it's the government that was supported by uh, Geert Wilders mm-hmm. in 2010 without being part of the actual coalition. Okay. So gedogen is tol- tol- tolerated. Yeah, it, yeah, I think that's the best translation there is. Therefore, we don't uh, usually use these words very often. Right. Uh, however, past uh, winners uh, uh, in 2013 included selfie which we use every day, I think. I, I mean, I take at least 17 selfies a day. We will publish them all. All of them. On the website. And uh, ontvrienden in 2009, which means uh, unfriend. Um, yeah. To which, unfriend. Which I'm looking forward to doing to you on Facebook later. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, can we talk about my favorite uh, Dutch word of the year? Of course. Which one is that? It's the one from 2008. Oh, which, which one was that? The word is swaffle. Oh, and what does that mean, Molly? Swaffle, because the Dutch have to have a single word for this, means shaking your penis at someone or something. Yeah, slapping your penis. Yeah. At, at first it was at someone. Yeah. But then in 2008 there was ophef because two teenage boys swaffled the Taj Mahal, made a video of it and published it on YouTube. Which... which is both rude and idiotic. Yeah, so there was a lot of ophef about that. So then swaffle became... You know, in the public realm, a very famous word. So that's why it was elected uh, the 2008 Word of the Year. So now it doesn't mean um, uh, uh, slapping your penis at so- at a person, but also at an object yeah. or a building. Right. Do you want to hear my favorite word? Yes. That's uh, the 2007 word, uh, Bokito Proof. Oh, this is an excellent story. Yeah. In 2007 or six, I'm not entirely sure, uh, a gorilla called Bokito in the Rotterdam Zoo of Blijdorp escaped and attacked a woman. But of course, people were wondering why is, is, a, is a gorilla capable of escaping its enclosure in the zoo? So that's why they, uh, they made his enclosure Bokito proof. So in what context can you use the word Bokito proof? Yeah, you can also use it uh, for n- not, not only in a zoo related context, but you can also use it for example, when you have a fence in your garden or something and you uh, enforce it to make sure that uh, strong people can't damage it or something. So what's on the list for this week um, or for this year? For this year. Well, there are 10, uh, 10 words. One of them is, uh, for example, referring to the, uh, the egg scandal of uh, last summer. I think this dead word is going to win. You think so? Yeah. Okay. What uh, about uh, do you have a do you have a, a preference for what wins? Yeah, I think Fiponua uh, must be the winner. I okay. think that's the that's uh, uh, the word of the uh, that that really describes 2017. 2017. Yeah. Uh, one other uh, nominee is app ongeluk. And what does that mean? App accident. It means that uh, uh, when uh, when the, when an accident happens and the person that causes the accident is, is on his phone on texting phone. or WhatsApping. Yeah, which what they're it. now trying to make illegal. Yeah. That was a discussion this week. Yeah. Uh, the Me Too verhaal. That's also uh, that's also a yeah. thing referring to the uh, uh, sexual discrimination, uh, sexual harassment scandal. Me Too story. Me in, Too uh, story. In yeah. And Valboete. 
And what is volbuta? Fall, fall fine. Fall fine. Fall fine. Yeah. So uh, when someone, um, uh, uh, when you fall in a uh, elderly home or something, you have to pay for use the emergency. Oh body. right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's yeah. what a volbuta is. What is a regenboogtaal? What does uh, that mean? Regenboog means rainbow. Yeah. Taal means language. So it has to do with uh, gender-neutral True language. language. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe that's more of a more of a. Yeah, it's more. It's a be- more more. It's a nicer. I word like that better. It's a beautiful yeah. word, I think. And lock terrorist. What is lock terrorist? Uh, to lock is uh, to lure. Right. I think. And terrorist is a terrorist. So yeah. they someone is going on the internet pretend that it's a sympathizer of some terrorist organization. Yeah. Try to uh, get some information gotcha. from 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 people who are in the action. Uh, terrorist okay. organization. Interesting. I think my vote is going for uh, Regenbotal. That's yeah. my. Uh, that's what I want to win. That's what I'm going to vote for. Okay, I'm going to vote for Fipon Nieuwei. And Gordon, do you uh, do you have a favorite word of the year? What's your favorite nominee? Yeah, I think from the list, uh, my favorite has got to be a uh, Merkel Lejo. Though uh, we're not quite sure whether this is uh, to do with uh, um, the the type of stone or uh, some reference to Angela Merkel, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure too. And yeah. can you tell us what it is? Yeah, it's a collective name for um, the concrete blocks that you use as a roadblock to stop terrorists um, getting through, and uh, they look like Lego blocks, quick, so they're called Merkel Lejo. We'll link to uh, to the to the place where you can vote, so you can our listeners can go. Show their uh, opinions as well and yes. read the rest of the words. In sport, Ajax has signed a deal to export their successful academy setup to China. The contract with Guangzhou RNF is worth 2 million euros and is designed to build the best youth development system in China. Four coaches will move from Amsterdam as part of the arrangement, headed by the former women's team coach Ed Engelkers, who has been appointed technical director. The club says the five-year deal will cover all aspects of the Ajax coaching academy system, including scouting, development and support services. So, Gordon, I don't know much about sports. <laughs> I do know that uh, the men football team in the Netherlands has not been particularly successful. So uh, how successful is Ajax's academy? Yeah, re- recently they haven't had such a great record, but over the years Ajax has been famous as one of the the clubs around Europe that has produced this conveyor belt of talented players. They've gone on to star in uh, foreign leagues, also for the Dutch national team, of course. Uh, the great size of the 70s and 80s had lots of, uh, or well, 70s and 90s rather, had lots of Dutch, uh, had lots of Ajax players, like uh, well Johan Cruyff was the most famous, but also Frank Rijkaard, Dennis Bell. Gump, Patrick Clavert, and uh, the De Boer twins. Oh, they all come from the Ajax Academy. They all came through the Ajax uh, yeah, system. So, yeah, so they've got a very good record of bringing through either kids from sort of school age or, um, uh, or, or or spotting uh, talented players in their early teens. And then they sell them off. And, and they then, sell uh, and they sell them off. Yeah, and then, their that, career. That, that's kind of uh, yeah, and then they're going to be more successful for other clubs. And what's the bad news on the uh, European football front? Because there is some bad news. Uh, there's bad more. News. There's more bad news. Yeah, for, for the uh, current Dutch men's teams. Um, last week, uh, Dutch clubs lost their automatic qualifying place for the Champions League because Feyenoord have been terrible this season and now it turns out that because the Dutch clubs have been terrible in the Europa League as well uh, they've lost their they may well lose their uh, automatic qualifying spot in that competition because Ajax, PSV and Vitesse Arnhem um, have uh, played uh, nine games altogether uh, this season so far and they've lost seven of them Vitesse have managed two draws and all the other games have been lost UEFA have this uh, incredibly complicated Byzantine ranking system for countries to decide Is it it as complicated as the uh, European (laughs) song contest uh, voting system they have this incredibly complicated league table for countries and the Czech Republic are um, coming hard on the heels of the Netherlands and they still have three clubs left in the competition so they're probably going to overtake them um, and that means that the Dutch will drop out of the top 12 and the effect of that is they don't get an automatic place in the group stages
We'll be discussing the topic everyone has an opinion on but no one wants to talk about. Yes, it's Svartapit season, after this word from our sponsors. Here in Holland is a new podcast for internationals living in the Netherlands. It is a twice-weekly podcast which focuses on the stories of internationals and expats. The podcast covers topics from manners to chance encounters, and they interview the Dutch and non-Dutch alike to get their insights, advice and stories, ranging from the funny to the sad. Here in Holland is currently creating an entirely crowdsourced podcast and welcomes your submissions. You can send your stories via WhatsApp. Find more information on their website, www.hereinholland.com. The podcast is available in iTunes and other podcasting apps. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. This week, a 31-year-old man from Lelystad was convicted of posting a discriminatory message on Facebook against campaigners against Svarte Piet. Underneath a photo of a group of demonstrators, he wrote that they should be put to work as slaves and used a racist insult, and the court gave him a 40-hour compulsory work order, which is quite nice given that he suggested they should be made to work for nothing. (laughs) 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 It's the first of 50 messages to lead to a court case, which campaigners hope will send out a signal that racist and violent language will no longer be tolerated. Meanwhile, in Utrecht, teachers at a primary school had to order a group of pro-Piet campaigners to leave and reported them to police after they turned up uninvited in blackface costume and started handing out sweets. While anti-racism campaigner and politician Sylvana Simons said she was concerned for her safety after four men dressed up as Vata Pete turned up at her house while she wasn't home. And dozens of celebrities posted self-portraits on Twitter wearing Svartapita's racism t-shirts. Once again, it's Sinterklaas season, and the, the annual debate is dividing the country between people who think Svartapita is a racist eyesore, a harmless old tradition, or something we shouldn't avoid talking about at all costs. Well, at any rate, we're not in the last camp. I'm in the last camp. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are in favor of the Svartapita or the Sinterklaas truce, the idea was calling for? Yes, as soon as I found out that my mother-in-law listens to this podcast every week, I am now officially in favor of the Sinterklaas truce. Yeah. yeah, but it seems this year the sort of beat discussion became more and more violent than ever. Yeah. It's become uh, more confrontational, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, been, it's been much more kind of... It, it, it's almost not a discussion anymore. It's just, um, yeah, people... Uh, well, it, it's become a kind of fashion parade. Either you wear... A, uh, either you dress up in your Svarte Piet costume or you wear a, 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 a racism with, t-shirt. Uh, yeah, yeah Svarte Piet is racism, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this year both uh, uh, the Washington Post had an, an editorial about this and Vox had an explainer about Svarte Piet. So it's really like... I think taken on even more of like a global uh, perspective. But why is the, why is the debate kind of seems to have got stuck really? I mean, we don't really have seem to have moved on in the last couple of years. It just seems between we now seem to have this very two very entrenched positions saying it's racist or it isn't racist. I think uh, uh, that has always been the case. Either you think it is it's it's racist or it's racist or you don't think it's racist. It, it that's so that has been the case. For all these years, I think. Yeah, there's not... It, this word to Pete discussion is like something where there's not a whole lot of, you know... It's not like the dividend blasting where you can argue about yeah. percentage rates and stuff like this, right? It's just kind of like people should be able to dra- dress up in blackface or people shouldn't be able to dress mm. up in blackface. There's, there's not much of a gray area here. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do think that the, the conversation has seemed more... The rhetoric has seemed more heated and that the, the incidents have seemed more intense. And I... I 
I don't know, but I attribute some of that to just sort of heated political political rhetoric more more broadly, right? That we've seen, you know, sort of an uptick in in yeah divisive political rhetoric, you know, more across the board. And so the Zwartspeed discussion also sort of falls under this. Yeah, yeah. it's it's got more intransigent, but but at the same but, time, but, but is is there? A lo- I I don't think a lot of politicians speak out about the Zwartspeed issue, except Geert Wilders, except uh, Rutte. Uh, yeah, Rutte yeah, said he made the comment things, about how the demonstrators shouldn't, you know, it's a ch- harmless children's tradition, and and that 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 children shouldn't be subjected subjected to to demonstrations about it. Hmm. Um, yeah, but all the other politicians, I don't hear them about about the Twitter beat discussion. No, I don't. I, I think it's a, I think it's a one of these political hot potatoes that that politicians try to stay out of as much as possible for the most part. I mean, you, occasionally you do sort of see it, particularly from yeah places and yeah places unsurprisingly like. Rotterdam and Amsterdam, the city council members or whatever will make comments about it. And I think uh, Dank has come out also uh, opposed to it. I mean, Silvana Silmans yeah. is a politician, mm. so. Yeah. But it seems to be the sort of, uh, you know, minority, racial minority groups who are who are kind of vocal about it, unsurprisingly, because they are the ones, I think, yeah. that are impacted yeah. the most. But also the, the kind of, uh, the very vocal pros for how beat campaign is the people who will dress up uh, in a costume and go into a school without anyone asking them to and start to... Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, any, in any circumstances, you shouldn't uh, walk into a school and hand yeah. out uh, uh, candy to, to 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 children. If you are a stranger, of course, someone is going yeah. to say, "Get out of my fucking school." Yeah, yeah. well, that's. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of like a terrifying alone. thing. I mean, regardless yeah, of right, how you yeah. stand on this word to Pete issue, right? Yeah. That yeah. like that that these adults were just wandering around a school like with with ill intent. I mean, they they weren't there to spread joy necessarily yeah. they were certainly there to like make a statement and yeah. that i mean i think that everyone should find that distasteful um, yeah but just, it's curious, yeah it's curious that that kind of thing has become now seen as acceptable and cute and similarly that uh, you know the the, the protest on on the right, a7 the motorway in terms of the blockade where people just you know drove up and parked their cars quite dangerously there were accidents further back in the queue and yet everyone seemed to think or even mark rutter seemed to think that was you know excusable because he was that they were stopping a protest which actually campaigners had spent months carefully negotiating with the local mayor, right. which, it would seem to me to be, I was you know, naively thought that that, that that was a Dutch way of doing things. You sit around the table and negotiate, and don't just yeah. sort of park your car on the motorway because you disagree with somebody. Yeah, yeah, but most of those people, at least from what we understand, right, were from part of this like right wing nationalist. What is mm. the name of this? Ekenbrand, Pegida, Pegida, And they were also the ones that were where the where this police horse died in in Nijmegen, right? They were also the ones that were instigating this the violence in these in this against Antis War to Pete demonstrators there. I mean, it. I don't know that I believe that Pegida feels that that strongly about Swar to Pete. I think it's just become one of these, like, nationalist sort of fascist issues that they've, yeah. they've kind of, like, lumped onto the rest of the things that they think, which is also that, like, you know, immigrants are destroying the world mm. and et cetera, Yeah, it's et cetera. part of the package. Yeah, yeah. But, but, and it's also kind of much more high profile, isn't it? They, they've latched onto it because they know they'll all get their names and faces in, in the media if right. they get involved in the Swar to Pete discussion, whereas, yeah. you know, the, the, the other issues that they're, yeah, they're campaign about if uh, you know, people lost interest in, in, in those so much. So I, I think a couple of things. One yeah. is is that, you know, I've been here for now six years, so I've been here through six seasons of Swords Pete. Um, and it has definitely progressively, from my perspective, gotten better. Um, I remember when I first moved here getting into this, like, very heated debate with someone because, to me, as an outsider, it was very shocking that, like, people could not see how racist and awful, like, this this tradition was. And that, the, the person that I got into this heated argument about, um, now, every year, posts on Facebook, who, this this person is Dutch, every year posts on Facebook saying, like, Swartopit is racist and we have to do better than this. And so, like, just in this period of time has sort of, like, changed their mind 
minds. And you see a lot more sort of like sooty peats instead of the blackface peats, mm. right? I was talking to a friend who has kids whose kids are watching this Interclass Journal every week. And now this year, instead of all the sorts of peats being in like the full blackface, there's a bit more of like a range, which she thinks is like a way of sort of like phasing in, um, getting rid of the kind of caricature makeup that is that is problematic. So, I mean, I think you're seeing changes. I, I, yeah, there are definitely uh, changes, yeah. So, so there was a survey which mm. showed that now 68% support the blackface uh, version of Swear to Pete and it was 75% so it's, so, it's, uh, so it's dropping. Yeah. yeah, and there are definitely some changes. People who, are, who were six, seven years ago fully, you know, didn't see that there is a, a racist element in Swear to Pete now think, well, I, I see it now and perhaps we should change it. I, that's definitely true. Uh, but you still have, of course, these diehard opposers that are willing to use violence or are willing to... And I think that group is growing as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that that group is growing, as I said before, more as like a, like as the environment of sort of some of these like kind of right-wing violent groups have, have grown, right? Like, I, I don't necessarily think that like Swear to Pete is the cause of an of an uptick kind of an anti-immigration rhetoric, but that the increase in violent rhetoric about Swear to Pete is a result of the increase in anti-immigration rhetoric, anti-whatever yeah, people it's of related, color rhetoric. Yeah, yeah but, but maybe as well the rhetoric is becoming more radical because actually it's becoming a more a smaller and more condensed and therefore a, you know, a more vocal group. It's, you, kind of, you can kind of compare it to church going, where church going has been on the fall for about 30, 30 or 40 years. And what you end up uh, with, the group that's left, the group that's left in, in what you end up is, is a proportion of evan- evangelical churches is much greater. So yeah. within the church-going group, people who, who are still going to church are more sort of hardcore believers than they were, say, 40 years ago when the majority of people went to church. And the same thing's happening with this argument. That yeah. You don't have any sort of moderate supporters as far to be it anymore. You either have the hardliners or you have people who are slowly sort of drifting across. Because in general, as you say, things are changing. And you know, th- th- every year it gets a little bit, there's a little bit less blackface in the shops. You get different color peats you see in, in the um, yeah, in, in the children's TV show the Sinterklaas Journal I watch my kids you know you see gradually they're going gradually switching or you still have people in the full um, blackface makeup you also have now sort of soot faced peats yeah. and it is you know over the course of years you know, it will change and evolve and that's ha- that's what happens with the traditions you know Svarta Pete two generations ago was kind of a bogeyman character who took kids away in his sack to, to Spain. Spain exactly yeah. and, oh, and he spoke with a funny accent and he wore with uh, earrings and all that's gone by the by, by the wayside and the gone. next stage yeah. is to get rid of the blackface makeup yeah yeah. But that's, that's the that's the that's the thing that stands out, of yeah. course. So when you change that, then you notice yeah, you're changing. But because uh, when you leave the earrings or you leave the funny accent, you know that that is a gradual change. Mm. Right. The blackface that's the final step and, yeah. and yeah. the most noticeable. And I I also think uh, Arjen Lubach with his uh, show Zondag met Lubach, he had an item about Sweater Pete in a season finale on Sunday. I think it was an excellent item he i agree he he really uh, uh, uh yeah he talked about the issue from both sides so if you are I, i'm not sure if there's an english translation there's not there. an english translation but we'll link That's to the off. original video in the, yeah. in the liner notes yeah um, but the great thing, yeah, but ultimately, this is it's asking for actually just changing one aspect of you know, a bigger tradition. Because Sinterklaas, think, well, most people involved in it, you know, I, I think, think it's, it's a great tradition. You know, it's it's about um, it's about giving presents. It's about you know, it's the presents, it's the poems, it's, uh, it's you know, sitting around with your families, yeah. it's building surprises. You know, this weekend I'm going to sit down with my son and write a poem to one of his classmates. And okay, it's a poem he's ripped off the internet and it's a bit of doggerel, but heck, yeah. you know, it's a really nice. Social events. So yeah. why 
put all that in jeopardy and hang the whole thing on this one question of whether or not you want to keep on dressing up like a racist caricature. That's yeah. the thing I don't, really don't get. I do think that like this discussion sometimes gets framed as internationals are opposed to Sinterklaas as a, as a holiday tradition, as opposed mm. to like just the blackface, which I have no problem with. I mean, I think the Surprisa thing is great. Um, sadly, my Dutch family does not do this. And so since I know my mother-in-law is listening, I would love a reinstitution of Sinterklaas because I think like the poems are super fun and the presents are super fun. And I mean, I like doing the like shoe let out thing and the yeah. fucking crowd nota is goddamn tasty. The truffle crowd nota by far the best. Like there's so many great things about this holiday that, that like should be and, and are widely embraced. Um, and so I just wish that like this obvious example of like, like colonialist mentality that's left over could go by the wayside. So we don't have to have these, you know, I don't have to fight with anybody on Twitter about this and instead can write really terrible poetry about some random person yeah. in my also family. Also on Twitter? Yeah. The, the, the criticism of Swatapit is about, is about the practice, the fact that it's white people dressing up in blackface makeup as racist caricatures. And the defence always seems to be more about the myth and the story and the legend of yeah, and you, can, you can And you actually have two conversations that aren't actually engaging with each other at all. And that's why you don't get any resolution. Yeah, you can, you can maintain the myth without yeah. the blackface. Indeed. That's true. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. And you can send emails to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Molly Quell and Paul Peters. I'm Gordon Darroch, and we'll be back next week. Music.